on FM, on DAB, and up to date on social media. We are Radio Newark. So, you're listening to the Girls Around Town. We have Daksha. Good morning. Good morning. And thank you for coming in. Daksha's come from the other side of Nottingham, from West Bridgeford. So, we're very pleased to see her here in the studio this morning. And we're going to be talking about our minds. Tina's going to be delving deeper in the second hour of the show. But before we get to that, uh, we thought we'd just find out a little bit about Daksha herself. So, tell us a bit about yourself and your background. Um, Yes, so I started my career in the NHS. I was um, very fortunate because I was a graduate management trainee and um, on that programme I had access to lots and lots of personal development. I was so fortunate. I had a mentor for two years and access to loads and loads of leadership and management training courses and most of the times when I was on these courses, what I wanted to do was I wanted to be the trainer and not the trainee. <laughs> and I kind of knew at that point that maybe, maybe in the future, that's where I was kind of heading. And so I kind of worked in the NHS for about 14 years, always in management positions. And then I kind of got enticed into the whole world of consultancy, where I was actually delivering leadership and management training to um, managers within the public sector. And that was quite a big change in career for me, having worked in the public sector and then going to sort of a profit-making organisation, lots and lots of business development goals and targets to meet. And um, it was um, something that kind of the novelty soon wore off when you're living in a, you know, living in hotels and you're, you know, living out of a suitcase and you're eating on your own. You're kind of like thinking, okay, the novelty is kind it, of wears it, off It all very, sounds very, very glam, doesn't it? it I, does. I, I used to work for a company that sent me um, overseas to um, both Paris and Frankfurt regularly to do ex- big exhibitions. And it sounds great, but all you see is the hotel yes. and the conference place or, or the exhibition hall. Yes, and you never really get to explore where you're going. So then I kind of did a bit of a career change and then I took up a temporary post um, uh, within the local authority and it was a six-month contract, so I became self-employed overnight and then that six-month contract went on for four years and then when it finally came to an end, uh, the gentleman who I was sharing an office with is also there working on a temporary contract and he was from a company called... um, it was a health and social care consultancy and basically said, you know, give me a call when you finish. And so I did. And that was in January 2011. So I joined that company as a senior associate. But what happened was it then gave me the opportunity to develop my own business. And that's when I started my business called um, Your Mind at Work. And that's what we're going to be talking about mostly. It, um, it, it's... Um it, it sounds like quite a complicated subject. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're talking about neuroscience. <laughs> um, and um, I have to say, I'm quite pleased that Tina's going to be taking over to do that because she's, she's better at, at hard things than I am, difficult things. You know, so, um, but I'm sure between the two of you, you're going to make it um, understandable to the likes of Sue and myself. <laughs> no, I perhaps shouldn't include you there, Sue. Um, and certainly to our listeners, we're going to be hearing all about the neuroscience um, and recent developments in neuroscience. And most interestingly, that point about how many different thoughts we have a day, mm, yes. because it is actually quite surprising. So, Daksha, just before the news, we were talking about how you'd kind of um, moved from um, being as manager within the nhs to working within consultancy but still within the within the public sector now you have a um kind of string of 
certifications, mm. I think, is the best way of calling them, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I mean, you're a certified coach, you're a certified heart math coach, a coach for Dr. Joe Dispenza, um, and I think there was another one that I can't re- quite remember off the top of my head now. Um, can you just tell us a bit about what all those things are? Yes, yeah, sure, no problem at all. So what happened was um, when I decided I was going to set up my own business, I... Um, I kind of had a little bit of a meltdown um, when you make that sort of transition from having a very secure income to, oh my gosh, I'm on my own now. And it was really interesting because um, as I started to make that transition and started to look at setting up my own business around coaching and training, I started to experience all some of those things that we all experience, that feeling of insecurity, am I good enough, all those self-doubts are then starting to kind of creep in. And um, it was at that point that I was listening to an interview with Dr. Joe Dispenza and he was talking very much about how some of our habits kind of keep kind of appearing at different stages of our lives. And actually what it made me realise was these habits, what I was experiencing, these emotions, were kind of appearing, had appeared throughout my life in many, many different guises at different key stages in my life. And I kind of recognised that I hadn't really kind of dealt with them. And so what he, when he started to talk about habits and how they formed, I was having so many light bulb moments, so many aha moments that I kind of decided to look deeper into his work. And so I went on some of his courses and it was at that point that I decided it was a complete no brainer and I really wanted to become certified in his work um, and become a certified consultant so that we could take his work into businesses. And it was really around looking at how people formulate these habits how these behaviours kind of manifest in the workplace or even in your personal life, in the home life. It's just as important. Um, and so that's really kind of where that certification kind of came about. And what that actually means is that I can now go into businesses and I can take his work into businesses and help organisations work with their staff and their teams to be much more effective. Now, Dr Joe also works with, um, he partners quite a lot with the HeartMath Institute and a lot of his research that he does at his workshops, he actually gets them involved. And so the HeartMath Institute specialised quite a lot around stress and resilience. And so, again, it was kind of like a no-brainer for me. I kind of felt that the two really went hand in hand. And so I actually became a certified HeartMath coach with HeartMath UK. And so that's where the focus is around stress and resilience. And there's a lot of crossover and there's a lot of linkage there as well. Um, I did become a certified trainer a long time ago. So this was when I kind of was in the public sector. Um, So it was really kind of bringing it all together, my kind of love of coaching, training, and kind of just being able to work with people on a one-to-one basis. So that's kind of where all those different certifications kind of come in. (laughs) Okay. Now, the the heart math stuff, I think, is very interesting. Mm -hmm. Because it um, it puts some real science behind uh, be, behind you know the, the the knowledge if you like of our thought processes and you were explaining earlier about how our thoughts then create a behaviour mm-hmm. and and so on. Can you talk us a little bit about that um, that loop if you yes. like, and also how perhaps the you know the heart math technology has actually proven that loop to be to to exist rather than us just kind of thinking oh well you know this is what happens yeah sure so the loop um that i often talk about and one of the sections that kind of we kind of teach on is around kind of this thinking and feeling loop and the idea is that well it's a model so the model is that you know you have a thought that thought then leads to some sort of choice 
that choice then leads to um, some sort of behaviour or action. And then when you kind of take that action, there's going to be some experience. And then that experience is going to lead to um, an emotion. And so then really, if you think about it on a day-to-day basis, as we go through our day, we're probably going through that sort of sequence um, of um, thinking acting and feeling um, on a moment-to-moment basis and that can happen very very quickly so quickly that it's some of it is just completely automatic it's kind of subconscious um, and so um, when you think about so that's kind of the, a lot of the work that's kind of linked to Dr. Joe's work Dr. Joe Dispenza's work and then in terms of the heart math work what that actually shows is that because it's around stress and resilience what it actually shows is that every time you experience certain emotions um, depending on what kind of emotions they're going to be that's going to actually affect um, how coherent you are and we talk about coherence when we're talking about your heart because your heart communicates to your brain and that's what the science actually shows and most people when they're stressed what we say is they're incoherent so what happens is the brain and the nervous system is out of sync it's kind of disorganized and so the heart math um, very clever people there and they've actually um, developed some technology which actually shows what's happening to your heart rate and every between every healthy person will um, see a change in their heart rate between each beat and that's what's referred to as the heart rate variability so sorry getting a little bit technical um, but the technology that they've designed actually shows what happens to your heart rate variability so uh, when you experience certain emotions and so that will actually show whether you're coherent or whether you're incoherent interesting so we so just to recap there then we, we start with a thought mm-hmm. that then creates the choice mm-hmm. whether we want to go with that thought or have a different thought mm-hmm. um i'm going to ask you to give me an example in a minute because i know you can um <laughs> then from that choice we have an action or a behavior mm-hmm. and then we have a, a you know an emotion or a, a feeling that comes from that and then the heart math stuff is kind of measuring those those feelings Yes, the heart math technology can um, measure those emotions. Um, so, because um, presumably you then get that feedback loop, because you then get that emotion, and then that will then create another thought. Yeah. So, so the, 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 I guess um, one way to um, explain it is um, last week. I not last week. It was actually a couple of days ago. I dis- I got out of bed and I decided that I was going to go for a run. And um, I made the mistake of actually switching on my PC beforehand because I wanted to send an urgent email. Oh, fatal. I know, it was fatal. And then, so I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, I really want to go for a run. And then the next thought that popped up into my head was, well, you know, I've got this twinge in my knee. And, you know, should I really go for a run? Because, you know, maybe I'll aggravate that twinge. And, um, and then what I started to sense was a little bit of anxiousness. I started to feel a little bit anxious. So I'm still sitting there thinking, I really need to go for a run. And then the next thought that popped up was, um, you know, I've got all these emails, you know, maybe I should sit here and do these emails and that will kind of just help me to get through the day. Um, And then as that thought popped up, I started to feel a little bit more anxious because I'm thinking, gosh, I've got a lot on today, haven't I? (laughs) And so because the body is in quite close communication with the brain, what the body does is every time you have a thought, it sends a a chemical into the body and the body feels a certain way. And so when that body starts to feel a certain way, it will send a signal up to the brain to say, 
I'm feeling a certain way. And so what the brain does is it generates more thoughts to support that feeling. And so, you know, I'm sitting there thinking, I still need to go for a run. And then I was thinking, gosh, you know, I've got a lot on today. And, you know, it's a bit cloudy out there and I don't want to get caught in the rain. (laughs) And again, you know, I started to feel really anxious. So then what happens is you kind of create this thinking and feeling loop. And, and, and so I recognise this thinking and feeling specifically when it comes to running. And so I'm sitting there thinking, I really need to go for a run, but my body's feeling anxious. And I'm trying to sort of keep saying to myself, I'm going, I need to go for a run, I need to go for a run, but my body's not moving. It's not getting ready to go for a run. And so this is kind of where sometimes positive thinking alone doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And so what I had to do was I had to really change the way that my body was feeling. And because I recognised this thinking and feeling loop, um, I what I did was I actually put on my morning song um, and listened to my morning song because that really... Am I allowed to say what my morning song is? Yay! My morning song is um, I've Got That Feeling by Justin Timberlake. And um, when I listen to that song, um, I have to move my body. I start to dance and then all of a sudden I could shift... I could see the shift in, my, in the energy. So I felt a lot more energised. I feel motivated. I feel inspired. And then I started to think about, you know, all the reasons that I love to go for a run. And then because the thought then matched the way that the body was feeling, I put on my kit and I was out and I went for a run. Now, it's interesting, isn't it, that you, you bring that up about playing your, you know, your kind of morning song. Mm-hmm. Because music yes. has an enormous effect on our bodies, mm-hmm. doesn't it? And, and, and therefore our, our thought processes. Mm-hmm. I have particular songs or pieces of music that if I'm feeling a bit bleh, mm-hmm. put that on mm-hmm. and I can't help but feel better. Absolutely. So how does that work? So music is very much energy, isn't it? it it's a vibration. I mean, the work that I get involved in, it's very much um, energy. It's about vibration um, and it's about getting doing whatever it needs to do to kind of shift how you're feeling and and sometimes for some people it's music for some people it's sitting down and journaling or for some people it could be exercise or reading something inspirational or people can sometimes get that shift just from looking at images so it really lots of different things but there's a lot of research and science behind sort of the whole music and how it vibrates and how that kind of changes your frequency Mm. that's really what we're talking about well because it is interesting there are certain pieces of music that you can listen to and you will you will almost immediately start to feel um tearful absolutely there are other pieces that you you listen to and then you almost you just can't you know stop yourself from moving you mm-hmm. you know you you maybe you're jigging i mean we're constantly doing it in the studio aren't we James? yes we are uh, so, so i mean there's always pieces of music we're jigging around and and uh and then there are others that we see in the playlist and we kind of always go we'll delete that one <laughs> um but it's it it's a very interesting thing i think particular particularly with music that just about everybody is affected by it in some way mm-hmm. Um, and and it is a great way if you f- if you are feeling a bit blur to actually get that you know nice piece of high, you know music that you know will raise your energy and raise your vibration and put it on now yeah. whether you'll end up going for a run afterwards is another matter <laughs> but but at least you'll feel better about the day and better about yourself yeah and sometimes it's about the associations you have with certain music because people will always remember the music that was playing when they had the first dance or, you know, 
when they kind of had their first kiss or it's kind of it very much depends doesn't it around some of the associations you have with music and sometimes people kind of remember the first cd that their partner bought them and then they never listen to it again if they've had a breakup (laughs) so you know music really does have like a strong correlation to your emotions doesn't it it does Jennifer Hudson there and I remember. So online on FM and across Newark and Lincolnshire on DAB Digital Radio, we are Radio Newark and we of course are the girls around town. With me Tina Betterson, June Rowland, Sue Jackson and our guest today, Daksha Patel. Now Daksha, we've we've talked about this thinking and feeling mm-hmm. kind of loop mm-hmm. um, uh, that we've been talking about. We've also been talking about the effects of music um, how some pieces of music will just automatically create the emotion that we want to cry, mm-hmm. like morning has broken, <laughs> sets us all off. Um, and then there are other pieces of music, um, like your Justin Timberlake yeah. piece, that will get the uh, the um, the body moving and the neurons firing, and you kind of can't help but feel happy. Absolutely. Um, so uh, you mentioned the the uh, the tv program the other night Mm. on bbc one about uh stress and resilience how do we um how do we kind of manage that within ourselves what can you talk a little bit more about that about what stress is and what resilience is and how this links into this thinking and feeling loop and these apparently seventy thousand thoughts that we have a day (laughs) sure over to you okay so um when you think about um, stress, when you think about stress, it's usually kind of um, you're knocking your body out of balance. And so if you think about um, in the days of the cavemen, you know, when they used to go out hunting and, um, you know, they used to get chased by big hairy mammoths and lions, you know, they needed um, the stress response to keep them safe because they needed to kind of run away, which is what we call the flight or the fight response. Um, and so when you think about now, nowadays, we don't have hairy mammoths chasing us and lions chasing us, but we do have kind of poor internet connection. We have lots of emails. We have elderly parents. You know, we have poorly kids. Uh, we have clients who don't let us, you know, who let us down or we're chasing invoices. And all those things kind of do kind of contribute to our stress levels. And so when you think about all the things that we're facing on a day-to-day basis, really what we're saying is that, you know, we want to have that energy to kind of deal with those things. And when we talk about energy, really, we're talking about resilience. And um, resilience really then is to have the ability to kind of um, prepare for, to respond to or adapt to adversity, challenge or stress. And so in order to do that, you really need to have what um, I refer to as your inner battery has to be full. Because if you think about your mobile phone, when your mobile phone says that the battery's low, what do you do? Plug it in. You plug it in. And so it's no different for us as as the human person. You know, we also need to kind of charge our bodies. And so the more energy we have, the more resilience we're going to have to be able to deal with these things on a day-to-day basis. And so when you think about, you know, if you're more resilient, you're going to kind of have a much more kind of composed, you're going to be much more composed, you're going to be in charge of your emotions, you're going to be have much more focus and clarity. So the decisions that you make are going to be better informed because you're going to be, I guess, firing on all cylinders. And so when I was talking earlier about, you know, if you're stressed all the time, then really what you're doing is you're knocking your body out of balance because you're, it's, it, metaphorically speaking, you feel like you're being chased by a lion all the time. 
And so um, the idea is that you have to then learn to build resilience. And building resilience, you can do it in, I refer to as the four domains. So there's the physical domain, there's the mental domain, there's the emotional domain, and there's a the spiritual domain. And actually on a day-to-day -day basis, you're either going to be kind of renewing the energy in those domains, or you're going to be depleting those energies in those domains. And so if you're somebody who always eats healthy, you exercise regularly, you take time out of your day to kind of, I don't know, do some mindfulness practice or meditation or yoga or just kind of take a walk in nature or do some gardening. Or listen to your happy dance or music. Or listen to your happy dance music. And you're getting lots of restorative sleep then you're likely to be renewing your energy levels and so you're building resilience. Now, if you're running around all day long, you're missing meals, you're not exercising regularly or, you know, you're, you're because you're worried all the time, you're not getting that restful sleep and you're not taking any time out for yourself, then you're going to be depleting your energy levels. And so, you know, if you're depleting your energy levels all the time and you're kind of behaving in that way, it's a bit like driving a car You've got one, gas, one foot on the brake and one foot on the accelerator. So what happens, it's a very jerky and uncomfortable ride. You're using up a lot of fuel and then think about the wear and tear on the actual car itself. So it's no different to how you would kind of treat your body if you're stressed all the time. And so when you think about it, you know, if you're stressed all the time, you are consuming a lot of energy. Um, you're the wear and tear on your body long term, medium to long term, if those emotions go unchecked, then you know it's going to be it's going to have a negative impact on your health and you know you're not really going to be very personally effective as you kind of go through your day so that's why it's important to kind of build that resilience so that it can help you to manage your energy levels and and, and also you know if you're kind of draining more energy in any one of those domains it's going to impact on all of them because all four are kind of interrelated and so that's how I kind of explain sort of your resilience. It's about that inner battery, making sure that your tank is kind of full all the time. And the one area that we lose most of our energy is usually in the emotional and is usually in the emotional domain. Because when you think about it on a day-to-day -day basis, most of the time we're on autopilot. In fact, 95% of the time we're on autopilot. And, you know, we're having, you mentioned earlier about, you know, we have these, you know, 60 to 70,000 thoughts a day. Um, again, they're just all running in the background. And so when you think about that, you, you know, emotions such as like worry or kind of doubt or kind of feeling insecure or frustration or impatience, it's like having a bucket full of water with lots of tiny holes and there's this kind of drip, drip, drip effect. And actually, you know, all those emotions are kind of draining you all the time. So it's just becoming a little bit more conscious of... Where do you spend your day in that kind of emotional landscape? You know, is it mostly those emotions of kind of worry and doubt and insecurity? Or, you know, are you kind of more joyful or happy or just kind of relaxed and excited? You know, so it's just kind of thinking about that on a day-to-day -day basis. Where are you on your emotional landscape? Oh, that's an interesting thought. <laughs> Answers on a postcard later, girls. Um, but I, I guess thinking about this, this thinking, feeling mm -hmm. kind of loop mm -hmm. and these sixty to 70,000 thoughts a day mm -hmm. that we suppose, that research tells us we have, mm -hmm. I'd be very interested to know how they actually work that out. Um, <laughs> but we did decide earlier that it was probably somebody with a, one of those little caps on their head that me measured their brainwaves. Um, and there's a different part of the brain mm -hmm. probably lit up every mm -hmm. time a different thought came along. Mm -hmm. 
But it's interesting, isn't it, when you think about it, if, if the majority of those thousands of thoughts each day are um, stressful thoughts, as you were saying earlier about where are my car keys, <laughs> or where are my house keys, or that thing that we all get when we get to our stage of life. You go upstairs for something, you get there, you can't remember what you went for. You have to go back downstairs to where you were before you could remember it, then you go back up and so the the, the thing continues. Um, but if the, if the majority of your thoughts are creating, if you like, the negative emotions in your body, then are you presumably a good place to start is to start noticing those thoughts and then deciding you're going to have a different one. Absolutely. So, you know, 60 to 70,000 thoughts a day and actually 90% are the same, you know. So it is that, you know, where are my keys or you're kind of running around um, asking yourself, okay, so you run upstairs and you kind of go, what was it that I wanted? And you completely forget. And so when you think about the um, thinking and feeling loop, the, the, the place to start is because we are so... Um, pre-programmed I guess and like a lot of the times it's like 90 they say like 95% of the time you're unconscious because you know you don't have to remember to breathe and you don't have to ask your heart to beat it just all happens doesn't it and so what, what I always say is start to notice some of your thinking and feeling moves so start to notice some of these thoughts you know when do you you know when you feel um, anxious or you feel you know you start to have those thoughts of self-doubt or you're kind of worrying or you're frustrated or impatient so just see if you can kind of just step back and just try and see what was that thought that I just had and then I had that thought how did that you know what was the action that I took as a result of that thought and then how did that leave me feeling and you're probably going to find a lot of clues in what you need to do in order to change maybe your thoughts because if you change the thought then you're likely to act in a different way. And if you can act in a different way, you're going to have different experience, which means that you're going to experience a different kind of emotion. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, I have quite a good example of that. The other day, I was, um, I'd been down to downtown at Grantham mm -hmm. and I'd taken a friend with me. And on the way back, we, um, I was driving back, came up to join the A1 and we were talking about something and I joined the A1 and was driving up the A1 and then I suddenly thought I have no recollection <laughs> of how I got off the roundabout onto the A1 absolutely and at that moment I actually then because I had because I had no recollection of it I couldn't actually remember getting from the roundabout onto the A1 I suddenly thought God, what, what did I do? You know, supposing there'd been traffic coming. What did I? Did I? Did I look? Did I? And I started to then feel quite frightened mm -hmm. because I couldn't remember. Mm -hmm. I then decided at that point that actually there was no point feeling frightened then because I was already on the A1 <laughs> and I was safe. So whatever I'd done, even though I couldn't recall it, mm -hmm. I'd obviously done it safely because yes. we were still driving along the A1. <laughs> no, no, I'd right be fine. No, no, I had no beeping, no screeching of tyres, no, um, no flashing, anything. You know, everything had just gone very smoothly. So I, I made that decision at that point that it, I was on it. I mm -hmm. was fine. We mm -hmm. were fine. Forget about it. Mm -hmm. It had gone. Mm -hmm. um, 
but it was very but I, it was interesting kind of recalling it how i actually created that feeling of fear mm-hmm. after the event yeah. simply by thinking about what might have happened if i if because i couldn't remember what did yes. um and it's in, something that i used to do when i was uh, working with coaching horse riders years ago one of the um one of the things that that frequently um people used to come to me with was they would say my horse is scared of a certain type of jump and and i would say you know and i would say to them is that really the case do you think your horse actually has a clue what kind of jump he's coming up to or is it that you're scared of that jump Mm. and you're creating this fear in the run-up to that jump so you start to change your behavior you start to ride differently you start to give the horse different signals so the horse starts to back off because he doesn't know whether you want to go over that jump or not because the previous one you really did want to jump it so you were all you know you were going for it you were telling him let's go let's go let's get over this jump now you're doing something totally different Uh so he's kind of backing off because he doesn't think you want to go over it absolutely and it's it's um, and I think it's very interesting, isn't it, how we do that? We, cu- we create those thoughts and feelings for ourselves. Yeah. And the thing is, as well, is like the brain, the mind doesn't really know the difference between what's real and what's imagined. Indeed. Indeed. So, Tell us a bit more about that. So I guess it's... Um, you can you can actually be in the experience and so it's a bit like dry, uh, riding a bike i kind of guess you know you when you actually get on the bike and you actually feel the pedals and the handles and you know you have that experience of kind of falling over that experience is feels very real because you're actually having the experience it's very different to sitting and just reading a book mm. Does it, that, can you see that that's the difference however if the brain doesn't know the difference uh, and this is what some, a lot of the athletes do, don't they? They kind of sit and obviously known sometimes as a visualisation that you actually sit and you kind of see yourself actually having that experience, but also having um, experiencing the actual emotion as well. And, and it, because the brain won't know whether you're actually just sitting in a chair and visualising or whether you're actually out on the field and actually running. You know, this, you know we were saying earlier about how music kind of sometimes changes um, emotion. It's a bit like, you know, when you're watching a race and you're, you know, you're, you're there with them, aren't you? Because you're really willing them to, to um, win that race. And you're feeling all those emotions, but you're not even on the track. <laughs> no, but strangely how you feel so exhausted afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So we've been talking this morning with our guest, Daksha Patel, um, about resilience, about stress, about how the brain works, about the thinking, feeling, feedback loop, um, and uh, and all sorts of good things like that. Daksha, is there perhaps just one, um, one tip that you could give our listeners to kind of take away as to how they can make use of all of that? Yeah, so I suppose when it comes down to it, um, what we're talking about is really kind of changing habits, and habits really are formed you know over a period of time um and they're kind of hardwired you know into the brain and so when we're talking about change it is about changing the way that we do things you know changing our behaviors and if we want to change habits and behaviors really what we are doing what we start talking about is changing the way that we think the choices that we make and then 
the actions that we take, the experience that we have, and then the feeling that we kind of basically um, have as a result of that experience. And I guess in one sense, you know, if you carry on on a day-to-day basis doing exactly the same thing, then there's not going to be a lot of change because, as I said, if you keep firing and wiring that same thinking and feeling loop, it becomes embedded into the subconscious mind and then it becomes automatic. And so when you think about it, it's it's like... um, having to change the hardware in your computer you've got to upload a different kind of software program to Mm -hmm. kind of run on and so in order to do that you then have to become much more conscious of your um, thoughts how your thoughts then lead to different you know to lead to the actions and then how those actions lead to an emotion and so if you want to start to change habits then you've got to do something different it's about making a different choice isn't it and so in order to do that you do then have to spend a little bit of time taking some time out of your day and then reflecting you know we do this in you know whether you do that through meditation or mindfulness or you know just journaling but it is that you know you've got to spend that time to reflect on your own um thoughts and how they've led to certain actions and how did that make you feel and if you want to change that then you've got to become conscious of them does that yes that that makes sense no that does that does Mm. make a lot of sense now i know some people advocate having an elastic band around Mm. your wrist don't you and so when you have a thought that um you become conscious of that thought you're conscious of that feeling and you kind of like twing your plastic your little band or whatever to remind you to actually have a different one if it's if it's a if it's one that's making you feel not so good absolutely and you know there's lots of different tools and strategies and techniques out there you know and sometimes you know it could be just as simple as saying stop it you know some people often say delete it Mm. because it's kind of in it's in line with kind of using your computer and when you sort of kind of find yourself having those thoughts it is about just stopping it can you change it can you delete it and then in terms of the kind of the stress and the resilience you know there's a lot of techniques around breathing that you can do where if you kind of just do some breathing it will just take you to that place of neutrality where you don't have to kind of do anything but you're just buying yourself some time yeah you're kind of pressing the pause button in order to kind of then buy yourself some time to think about what is it that you want to do next and that's just becoming that's practicing conscious you know mindfulness Taksha, we could talk to you for hours (laughs) but sadly we don't have hours left (laughs) Uh, in fact we only have a couple of minutes so if any of our listeners want to get hold of you Mm -hmm. to find out more and to perhaps uh, work with you how do they do that yep so you can go onto my website and the website is www.your-mind-at which is spelled at-work.com um, or and there's lots of details on there about my um, how you can contact me either through mobile or you can email me brilliant thank you so much for joining us thank this morning thank you so much i've really enjoyed being here thank you so much for the invite good we've enjoyed speaking to you too we-